Ultra. Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we make a lot of intense faces as we analyze and celebrate <laughs> Spider-Man 2, one Herculean effort minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Doug Greenberg from Rocky Minute. Welcome back, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, guys. Oh, of yeah, course. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> got Today... a, you got a humdinger of a minute, too. <laughs> a lot of grunting. Yeah. Yeah, we are on minute 100. Yeah, it's, I mean, a milestone, like, time-wise in the minute, and also milestone in terms of only one thing happening in the minute. Isn't (laughs) that, isn't it amazing that (laughs) what is probably the most memorable moment of the whole minute, the whole movie happens in minute 100? It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, if it's not obvious yet, this is the one that begins with Spidey shooting a lot of webs on a neighboring buildings and ends with him stopping a train because he's passed out from stopping the train it is this is scream city here yeah. we are uh, oh my god the, so so the screaming i i i love it so much because it reminds me of um one of my the the most it's the most insular joke and i don't oh i don't know if any of you guys ever watched dragon ball z but i watched it when i was younger <laughs> I watched it when I was younger because my brothers, my brothers would watch it after school and like, I, I didn't hate it. So I would watch it too, you know, but it wasn't a thing where I was like, I was casual at best, casual viewer at best. (laughs) Um, Wouldn't be my choice, but it was on. So I would watch it. Um, I get you. And, uh, one of my favorite, did you, but yeah, did you guys ever watch that show? Did you ever? Yeah. Here and there. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So there, there's this whole thing with Dragon Ball Z where like the running joke with Dragon Ball Z is that nothing happens in any given episode. Um, Hmm. like (laughs) nothing happens. Uh, like it'll, it'll just be like, it'll be people talking about how they're going to fight for like 10 episodes. And, and then they'll, they'll be like, okay, now we're going to fight. But we have to charge up first, and then the charging up takes another five, five to ten episodes. Oh my god! Um, like it's ridiculous. Uh, it's just ridiculous. And so somebody put together uh, this video that I I just thought was the funniest thing um, when I saw it. And this was years ago, early early YouTube days. Yeah. Um, and this video was the uh, you know the Adult Swim guy being like uh, previously on Dragon Ball Z, and it's. Goku and he's like he's like I have to charge up before we can fight you know and then he's like he's he starts going and then and then it says it says now now let's watch Dragon Ball Z and it's Goku going next time on Dragon Ball Z <laughs> and it would just keep go- next week on Dragon Ball Z and it would just keep escalating the scream uh. 
It's barely uh, an exaggeration. I know. So. No, I know. <laughs> and that's what this reminds me of, of just like previously on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's mo- just straining for maybe 59 straight seconds here. Uh, yeah. I, I, mean, I actually did. I tried to yell for a minute straight and <gasps> I, I only got like 15 seconds. Like, you know, <laughs> not, not even if that before you run out of breath, like this is incredible. It's superhuman lungs, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I get 10 times, right? Um, 10 times lung power. Right. Yeah. Was, 10 tons of lung power. 10 tons of lung power. Yeah. It's amazing. There was literally one of the uh, um, voice actors who did the American, um, American, who did the English dubs for uh, Dragon Ball Z passed out in the recording booth during one of the Super Saiyan transitions because <laughs> it was such a big scream. And they were like, hey, hey, this time, can the scream be like higher pitch than normal? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he was he was this guy who had been doing, you know, Dragon Ball Z for however many seasons. He was used to screaming a lot. But for some reason, like pitching it into his head voice and trying to scream oh. at a higher pitch, he just like ran out of and blacked out and fell in the recording booth because he's just screaming for like oh my two God. minutes. But yeah, I mean, you strain for that long. You definitely, like I was seeing stars after 15 seconds. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's a lot. The, that's the voice <laughs> acting equivalent of uh, holding a train back, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So at the... <laughs> At the top of the minute, he continues uh, slinging out webs, and I think he gets to about 10 per side, um, roughly. Mm-hmm. Like, one, two, three, four, five, six. Ten? Yeah. It's, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight to nine on each side when oh. he stops, when he finally stops shooting them. And At then various, it's just Various pulling. depths, right? Yeah, mm. various. I only counted out. six. Interesting. Okay. Let's see. Well, yesterday, let's see if he oh, pause Oh, he around. keeps going after the yeah, six. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. See. He did okay. six yesterday, and he does like four today. So okay, I it, see. I yeah. see. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> what's, what's nice about it is, even though it is one thing happening, we have to like amp up the tension. So I like, this sequence is kind of amazing to me in terms of how many different ways they show the effort and strain as we go mm-hmm. further along. And so it's, we can start with, you know, a wide shot of him, how many strands there are in him holding out before, and then we'll cut to him in, like, the, you know, Christ pose, I guess. Mm, and then yeah. later we'll deal with the, you know, spandex ripping and stuff, and then later we'll look at his hands or the, at the tr- the tracks. It's just kind of, it's impressed to me in terms of this event has to take a certain amount of time. How do we show it in a way where it never becomes boring? Because as much as we joke about one thing happening this whole scene today it's definitely not boring while you watch it it oh, is oh no so no. stressful yeah yeah, yeah. just it's like the, the crane the train crumbling underneath his body weight is oh, yeah God. like that's yeah. a that was a it shocked me because i i haven't seen this in a long time and i mm-hmm. forgot forgot this entire part but that shocked me how how great that looked yeah mm-hmm. and it's yeah. it is i will say that i think the costume tearing on his bicep is a mistake because it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> um, this is, this is stretchy material. It wouldn't do that. You can't, right. you can't do his, his bicep would have to be like 10 times the size it normally is in order for that to happen. <laughs> and it still probably wouldn't happen like that. Yeah, your muscles um, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. get bigger. I mean, not much bigger. What, like you get like the pump from mm-hmm. extra blood flow, but it's not like, 
Yeah, it's you get not a like little swole, but you're not you're not going to start tearing your shirts. <laughs> no, um, yeah, no. that thing's uh, obviously not made of cotton, so you're not like Arnold Schwarzenegger busting his bicep through, <laughs> through his shirt in the movie Twins. No, right, you're not, you're not doing right. that. Um, and even that was like that was like a linen or something, right? Wasn't that a yeah, yeah? Thin, that was yeah, that was uh, like a that <laughs> like, was like like a kind of dress shirt, sort of right? It wasn't right, like a yeah, 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 right, yeah. Um, Might as well have been tissue paper. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this, uh, this, yeah, no, that doesn't work for me. I, I would argue <laughs> that I, I think they should have not used that and instead really focused on the metal, the, like the, the metal of the mm-hmm. train sort of like bowing to the pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would have rather have seen a close up of that because I think that's more impressive to me and i know that yeah. they wanted that wide shot of the of the you know the christ pose and the and the glass breaking and everything right um completely i i i absolutely understand and that's a great shot but you could have saved the the metal bending for something else mm. or you could have had it bend under the weight of the the webbing on the sides you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah like have yeah. have some closer inserts that show that yeah, um, rather rather than, than the, the fabric tearing, fabric which doesn't stuff. make a lick of sense. No, <laughs> uh, were were the windows not already busted out prior to this? No, I think um, this is the first time we get. I think we got cracks in them uh, earlier in the week, and then this is the first time they like come out of the um, right. frames. Yeah. Itself. And and yeah. the and the conductor heckling him. Was through, <laughs> was, was through an open window, right? I guess. Right. Yeah, right. like the center oh, okay. window is open on the, like the door itself. At the yeah, train, yeah. You're going to go in between trains or whatever is open. Yeah. Right. The, I was the wondering, two ones that, on the side. If that was like an inconsistency, I, <laughs> I figured it would, it, that's a pretty big one and it would have been covered if. if uh, Wouldn't be the first. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. um, so, so yeah. okay. So I, I want to talk a little bit about the because i mean yeah i mean the rest of this it's it's you know it's that toby face uh Mm -hmm. you know that all the (laughs) gifts are about the things that everybody it's one of those things like if it's not crying it's this face that everyone makes fun of (laughs) um with with toby uh tangible detail right and as we've as we've talked many times it's the fact that toby mcguire doesn't care how stupid he looks like he's more He's more interested in it being honest. Like this is mm-hmm. what the what real strain actually looks like. Like not everybody gets to look like Chris Evans as Captain America straining to pull a helicopter back to a thing. <laughs> like not everybody gets to look like that. Like not every like you know if you're actually straining, you're not thinking about looking sexy. You are right. <laughs> thinking about how you need to hold this train back, or these people are going to die. I actually um, want, I wondered this and, you know, I was hoping that I would be in a position to ask an actor and, you know, as luck would have it, we have one here hey. <laughs> on the show. <laughs> like when, when you're, you're supposed to act strained and you got yeah. a camera and, and, you know, conceivably nothing else that's really um, like straining you. How yeah. do you, how do you do that? Like, how do you act strained when, when you just got a camera shooting at your face? Yeah, I mean, it's a combination of different things, like um, what's available to you on the day. Like, even if I've been doing, like, voice acting for stuff and I've had to, like, be strained lifting something like that, sometimes you try as much as you can to, like, cheat and, like, hey, can I have a physical object in here that I can lift as you you do it or whatnot? Um, But sometimes it's even just, like, uh, 
if if you're in a close up, I'll I'll sometimes like grab the back of my own leg and mm. pull with my arm so okay. that like there's actual tension in my um in my body. So you are actually you can... tensing your body up to get Yeah, that. yeah, because you can physically tense cuz the this the energy is going to come from your your voice and your and your face, right? In yeah. that moment. And so yeah. that all connects to your your core with how you're breathing and how you're tensing there. So if you can create real tension in that physical center of you, it can come out in the in the close up in in one way or another. So whether you're actually lifting an object or if you're just sort of like hunkering down and going, you know, that you you can kind of build it in there. But again, this is the thing about acting that's so weird is if you're focusing on what you should be during the scene, you're not focusing on what you look like. Mm-hmm. So you have to trust your director to let you know how far to pitch it. Like, I that's about a seven. Maybe we can hit it at like a nine or maybe bring that back down to like a six or something right mm-hmm. there. Because mm-hmm. you have to think the character's thoughts. You have to be focusing on what they're doing while you're in the middle of your emotional whatever. And they, you have to have an observer who can tell what you're doing and let you know whether you're going over the line or not. And mm-hmm. in a situation like this, what I respect about both of them, and by them I mean Toby and Sam is that they knew they could go to like 13 or whatever yeah. and trust <laughs> yeah. that it works. Oh, right. <laughs> well, and it, it's, it, it takes a lot of trust to be willing to do that <laughs> yeah. with a camera in your face. <laughs> For sure. And I, and I also, I, I also want to say that um, there's, there's this, I don't know, this sort of uh, thing with some people with actors and they're just, they just assume that like all actors are very conceited and things. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. part of that has to do with that sort of, um, I don't know that that like weird assumption or um, uh, uh, I don't know, but yeah, I, I'm yeah. forgetting the word that I'm thinking of. But the mm-hmm. the sort of uh, the sort of assumption that like you know, oh, actors are really conceited; they're always like mm-hmm. looking at themselves in the mirror and things like that. But like the thing that is weird about acting is that on the out, it's to- so internal that mm-hmm. from the outside. It's just going to look like somebody's looking at themselves in the mirror. But really mm-hmm. what an actor is doing is looking at themselves in the mirror as they're doing things to try and figure out what it feels like so they can do it without the mirror later. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, it's, we, it's, we talked a lot in Rocky Minute about uh, Rocky honing his craft, right? With the racquetball. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And that's, I guess that's kind of the same thing. You're honing your craft. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And it's really weird because it's, it's one of the few like artistic endeavors where the the thing you're doing the art with is also yourself. So you get these weird um, these assumptions that happen, like the idea of somebody saying like, "Oh, they're looking in a mirror, practicing something. They must just like the way their face looks." Versus right. like if you saw somebody like practicing with their paints on a canvas, you wouldn't say like, "Oh, they just they just love how they they look mm-hmm. painting that thing." It's like no, of course not, because you can see that the thing they're doing their art with is separate than them themselves. Right. Right. When you're an actor, the thing you're doing your art with is your physical self. Mm-hmm. So you have it's it's hard it's hard to explain like where the 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 line is drawn sometimes with those sort of things. Um it's a weird a weird thing to do. Uh and it's very weird as a job and it's very weird as like uh a you know, quote unquote art form. But we need it to tell the type of stories we like to tell, so somebody's got to do it. Um, which is not to say that some actors aren't conceited and it's certainly not to say that actors don't like attention because God, that's a hundred percent what they want. Um, (laughs) Sure. Of course. Yeah. But just that, (laughs) but there is a craft involved is the thing. Or at least there's supposed to be. Yeah. There's supposed to be a craft involved. Yeah. But you got to practice your ugly scream of face somewhere and it might as well be in a mirror. 
Yeah. yeah. If you got into it for like dumb reasons or if you continue to be in it for dumb self-serving reasons, that's one thing. But to actually do the work, you have to do work. Yeah. And this is part of it. This type yeah. of this is a, a very extreme example of the type of thing that you work on. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just watching him do it. I'm always like, yeah, I, I respect that. I really genuinely respect him going all out with those faces and the screaming. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't normally look at movies this way, but since I'm on a movie with two filmmakers that it's, it's, <laughs> it's these are the, the burning questions because sure. I'm, I'm as far away from the business as, as you can possibly imagine. So, <laughs> I mean, it, I, I think this stuff when I'm watching Rocky, but I don't get to ask these questions. So yeah, of course it's mm. worth it. Um, Thanks fellas. Yeah. yeah, of course. Uh, speaking of some other little details in the scene, because a lot of it is just the one thing happening, uh, we might as well talk about who some of these other uh, these other passengers on the train are. Sure. Um, yeah, if you want, because uh, one one that I like every time we cut to like a close up of Toby's face screaming, we have like two little faces <laughs> over his shoulder, just yeah. like watching. And so one of them is of course the train conductor from earlier, but the other one who. You'll see pop up here and there, but this is the minute where you see him the most often. The older gentleman who looks nervous, he's got like a sweater. Uh, This is Dan Hicks. And Dan Hicks played Jake in Evil Dead 2, one of uh, Ash's friends at the cabin. And he's like, he's like an adult, adult man here. Wait, wait, wait. In Evil Dead 2? Evil Dead 2. And I, I, maybe Evil Dead 1 as well, but it just says Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2, he doesn't have any friends in the cabin in Evil Dead 2. Oh, so who's in, oh yeah, my, I'm conflating them so in the uh in the in the sequel he would have been then he would have been um he would have been either the 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 hick guy and his and his like quote unquote sexy daughter um that show up or or the um the uh art the archaeologist and her uh assistant the guy who went on to be a qvc host um yeah (laughs) yeah i think it's him because he's the he's the younger looking one in the there's just screenshots and stuff on the on his uh, you know uh, <clears throat> resume and whatnot. I was like, oh yeah, Evil Dead Two, and then my brain, of course, forgets things. What, from what his name's Jake in Evil Dead Two. Jake in Evil Dead Two, yeah, and uh, he also played Skip in Dark Man. He uh, returns uh, in uh, Oz the Great and Powerful as a citizen of Emerald City. Um, so he's like one no, of those. No, Jake like, is okay. So Jake, Jake is the uh, the the hillbilly redneck guy. The hillbilly redneck guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so we have gotten officially to the bottom of the mystery of Dan Hicks and Evil Dead. Yes. <laughs> can I can I just ask? I'm looking at second sixteen seventeen. Yeah. Um, now there's three people in the frame here. There's this Harry Connick looking guy in the foreground. Uh, <laughs> this um, uh, dark skinned gentleman, and then the guy in the background with the hat on. Right. Is that who we're talking yes. about? Okay. Uh, right. We're talking not about him. We're talking about uh, the guy wearing glasses, shots. right? Yeah, it's straight on shots of uh, Toby when he's going like with his face. Oh, okay. There's this train conductor with glasses, and right oh. next to him is a is an older gentleman with his just little eyes. Around like minute uh, second twenty second twenty seven or so, oh, you can okay. see the two of them behind him. So the one on the right is Dan Hicks. Oh, the one there on the we left go. Yeah, oh yeah, the there conductor. he is. Yeah, that's yeah, that is definitely you. that is definitely Jake from Evil Dead too. There we wow. go. So he <laughs> wow. um he works on lots of uh, low budget horror flicks still with have which have great titles like uh, Pork Chop 3D and Dead Season and Wishmaster. <laughs> oh, he seems to be having fun. Uh, my favorite credit of Goodness. his that I've found <laughs> was on a TV series called Paranormal Burbank, which is <laughs> great. 
and he played somebody named Lord Bastion on that. Um, and you brought up in the the previous shot, so around seventeen seconds in or so, when you can see a few people behind mm-hmm. the uh, bundle of web lines. Yeah, um, yeah, the guy in the back who looks concerned with a hat on. Yes, that's uh, let me let me scroll real quick. That is Timothy Patrick Quill, and so. Timothy Patrick Quill, uh, again, is a go-to Sam Raimi guy. He was the blacksmith in Army of Darkness mm. uh, with that like weird, narrow uh, mustache uh, and whatnot. Yeah. He, he comes back as a crane operator in Spider-Man 3, Emerald City Man, and Oz the Great and Powerful again. Um, but he is also a producer on some of these same uh, horror flicks that his, his, his friend uh, Dan was on. And so <laughs> Timothy has done things like Hobbs and Phil versus Zombies and The Blood Hunter and... Dick Johnson and Tommy Gunn versus the Cannibal Cop, based on a true story, which is God, maybe the best title (laughs) in the world. Uh, Which is all all fun, and that's you know extra textual, like goofy stuff. But one of the things I like about Timothy Patrick Quill in this film in particular, and he'll he'll come back a bit later um, uh, next week when they have like the the bunch of people holding Spider Man, whatnot. You can see him a bit better in those scenes, but you can Mm -hmm. look out for his hat. He was in the first Spider-Man movie as well. He played the security guard at the wrestling arena with a mustache. When Peter lets Uncle Ben's killer get away, he's there yelling, stop that guy, and what the hell's the matter with you? You let him go. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, man. It is, yeah. The, the security guard from the wrestling arena is on the train when Spider-Man is saving the train. Um, wow. Again, there's a few of these little, um, you know, bring them back things. Like we've already had the, uh, the New Yorkers from the bridge scene in the first film come back at the fire in this film. Um, but right. they seem to be playing different characters. There's this energy that can happen with these, like, you know, recurring uh, cameos where... It's like people that Peter has helped in the past are coming back into his life um, during his <laughs> not being Spider-Man and then reclaiming his title as Spider-Man in this film. But it mm-hmm. seems to be that the approach is that they're not literally the same people, that they are the same actors just playing other New Yorkers, I yeah. think, because there's a lot of them, <clears throat> which is pretty cool. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, the other the other gentleman, so... Phil Lamar was on one side of the train at the front, and then mm-hmm. the other gentleman who has like a uh, sort of graying hair and a suit and tie and whatnot. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Sideburns. With a, oh, no, not, not, not a sweater. Yeah, it's like a like an overcoat or, mm-hmm. or however you'd phrase that. The guy that has so the only this, lines in this minute? Yeah, he says, uh, we're slowing down. Um, yeah. So uh, Mr. We're Slowing Down is Bill Calvert, and he played the fireman at the burning building in the first Spider-Man film. Oh. So when, yeah. When Peter comes in and saves that baby and there's that woman like screaming her head off about her babies in there. Man, um, he's just and, in every scene where people are screaming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just pretty, pretty great. And he's more of a traditional like, uh, you know, go-to New Yorker character actor. He's had a lot of small TV parts in the 80s and 90s like Little House on the Prairie and Quantum Leap and Beauty and the Beast and er and whatnot but yeah it's uh, i every time i found one of these i was like oh wow that's like a little treasure that the fireman from from that came back the new yorkers on the bridge came back and the the wrestler from the the i mean the uh, security guard from the wrestler arena came back as well so this is all i mean 
I, I just get the feeling that Sam likes to, as much as possible, give people like little favors when there are important crowd scenes like this. Like, bring them on back. Like, let them, let them hang out here. Um, but it's yeah, nice to man. see them sort of culminate in this scene because we're going to have even more of them later in the week when we get a, get a look at the interior of the, um, of the train. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like that. Um, neat. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so as far as, um, I guess the last thing I want to talk about with this, with this sequence is uh, thematically metaphorically mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. this sequence i think i mean the reason that it is so memorable and you know we've been talking about the theme of this movie which is the cost of being spider-man you know yeah. and mm-hmm. how the weight of being of 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 this whole like you know great power great responsibility the weight of that just overcoming Peter and it just, it just becomes too much for him to bear. Yeah. Um, and he lets it go. And now when he has returned to reclaim his position of the guy with great power who, you know, deals with who bears all of this great responsibility. Yeah. We create a, a sequence in which, he has to literally hold the weight of of a of the world on mm-hmm. on his shoulders in his arms he has to hold it and he has to hold his ground and he has to stick through how hard this is how hard it is to be spider-man mm-hmm. and it's come out the ah. other side succeeding yeah um and that's deep it is unbelievable. Like this is this is the kind of action sequence you dream of having in mm. these kinds of movies, uh, because of how much it means for the thematics of the film. Like, I mean, my my biggest issue with the Marvel movies, which is you know, I I don't have a lot because I love yeah, them. I really <laughs> they're do. They're, yeah. they're so much fun. But broadly speaking the action sequences in Marvel movies are pretty much meaningless. Um, yeah. They're, they're really just, let's have a fun action sequence. They don't mm-hmm. typically mean anything. Not typically. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're like, what looks cool? What feels cool? Whatever. And, How do we and use these powers in fun ways? Right. Know, and we're definitely, there's definitely, you know, they, they leave time for, for character moments and things within the action sequence and things. But the action sequences themselves... Mm-hmm. They don't mean anything metaphorically or thematically or anything like that. They just are. Yeah. And to have a sequence like this that really like allows your character, like we are, we are putting him through the ringer here and mm-hmm. we are showing him, I mean, this is, you know, not unlike Rocky, you know, he just wants to go all 12 rounds. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He just yeah, wants this, to get. He just wants to get to the end. Like you can't half-ass this, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You're, um, you're, you're either all in or, or or you're out. You let these people plunge to their death. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And he can't abide by that. He even even his own well-being is not more important than that. Mm-hmm. So he lays it all out there. Yeah. And so, like for me, this is the moment. He has done heroic things in these films. This is the moment Peter Parker becomes a hero. Yeah. This is it. Because this is the moment where he these are just a bunch of strangers 
and he is going to sacrifice. He he is nearly sacrificing his life to save them. Yeah, right. Because he saved people before. Sure, but like he was never really putting himself in a lot of danger. Yeah, when he did it. Mm -hmm. No, he's doing his acrobatics at the time. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. This is him. He's always got an out. This this he does not have an out. Right for a for a character that is defined by you know, his ability to be flexible and to jump around and move and, you know, acrobatics and whatnot, to have a situation where he cannot in any way, shape, or form jump out of the way or (laughs) he can't listen to his spider sense and say, there's danger here, I have to move. He has to be in the place of danger. This is ultimate heroism. Yeah, It's really genuinely meaningful. And, Um, and I don't even, and I don't want to, I don't want to hammer this part of it, um, that much anyway, because I don't, I don't typically, I don't love religious allegory. Um, no, no. Uh, mother, mother is a bad movie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) religious allegory is not my favorite thing. Uh, but there is, there's an obvious religious allegory happening here. Um, of course. Yeah. This is obviously like a Christ on the cross. This is, this is, you know, Peter, you know, paying for i don't know like taking on everyone's taking sins on human- yeah, yeah, humanity yeah yeah humanity sins etc yeah. etc et like there's definitely that allegory is is happening here and it's it's worth pointing out because it is certainly something that um people point out as like an eye rolly element of this bit mm-hmm. um especially in what happens at the top of next week sure uh but what? i i think that while the religious allegory is certainly there mm-hmm. i i won't debate that I will say that it's not like it's it, it, it's serving a greater thematic purpose that yeah. I think is important. It's not like they're just, you know, having having Superman come out through the clouds of like heaven, you and know, and pose. Yeah, yeah and pose not. to save some woman <laughs> on a roof. You know, it's it's not like that. You know, this, this is serving a greater thematic purpose, whereas that isn't. Um, that is literally yeah. just religious allegory for the sake of religious allegory because not he's a god, in, you guys. Um, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this is this is he's just a man and he's trying his best and he's a he's a super man. Um, yeah, you know, but he's, he's still he's a, a man and mm-hmm. he's just doing whatever whatever it takes to save these people. And it's just that it happens to be that what he can do to save these people is. Uh, on a larger scale than most people (laughs) right right exactly and um and not for nothing i mean i think this is one of the reasons why this image and the the image from the top of next week is one of the most um lasting ones from this film i had a i had a a moment a couple weeks ago that kind of blew my mind in terms of we talk a lot in these movies about like when something works so well that it escapes outside of just this film and becomes a larger part of like the pop cultural landscape like the upside down kiss from the first film. This image I saw pop up somewhere that I was not expecting it to. So people remember Spider-Man on the train, they remember him doing his face and doing this thing that it, it sticks out as like a big moment. I found a uh, children's picture book in a store because sometimes when I do like uh, Spider-Man events, it's nice to be able to like read to the kids a little bit. Like if we're doing a walk or like a, like a charity walk where there's a bunch of kids and they want me to hang out with them, it's good to have little activities. And so I went looking for books about Spider-Man. I don't know if you guys know this brand by heart, but like there are these, these golden books or whatever where like the spine is this like reflective metallic gold and they're like a, 
yeah. the type of children. Oh, hell yeah. You know, yeah, of there's course. a bunch of those, right? Everybody knows so they Golden have, Books. Come on. Yeah, Golden Books. Yeah, come on. So <laughs> the, the current one that they have about Spider-Man, it's just called The Amazing Spider-Man, is, you know, you flip through it and it just talks about who is Spider-Man and what are his powers and, you know, why are they meaningful? It's a simple, like, age four type of book. And as I flipped through it, it was all stylized stuff from, like, the animated series, you know? Like, it, it's all new paintings of images of Spider-Man making a costume and flying around. But it looks vaguely like Doc Ock looks like Doc Ock from the animated series. The lizard looks like the lizard from the animated series. And mm-hmm. Spider-Man is sort of a classic-looking Spider-Man. And halfway through, when they start talking about being a hero, the image they chose was Spider-Man on the front of a train with these web lines out and his arms holding it back, wow. stopping a runaway train. It's the only Raimi reference in the book. And I don't know what the process is when they write one of these things, you know, what sort of levels it has to go through. But like in a book where there's maybe only 10 pages of images to choose about what does Spider-Man mean as a character, this is one of the ones they chose. And like kids who have never seen this movie, kids who... Like, maybe haven't even watched the Spider-Man cartoon yet. This is one of the images they chose to represent Spider-Man as a superhero. He saves people. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. nuts. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah. That's incredible. That's crazy. Um, Doug, what, what are your uh, overall thoughts on, on these uh, Raimi films and, and on Spider-Man in general? I, I guess I have a, a strange kind of background with the superhero movies. Um, like, Spider-Man was... I mean, it didn't resonate with me like comic book wise, but I, I distinctly remember watching a Spider-Man cartoon when I was a kid, but I went and looked back and the only one I could find was something from 1981 that only aired for like, like a handful of episodes. So I'm like, was that the one that, that I remember watching? I I really don't have any idea, but, um, I remember watching these, you know, when they first came out, not, not in the movies, but like right around the, the same time. And this this was what two thousand four, right? Yeah, yeah. it's it, it's weird because I was looking at all the movies. Two thousand four was the year like I met my wife. I was I already had my my career for uh, two years by that point. Huh. So uh, I, and I was looking through all the popular movies of two thousand four, and I I don't think I went to the movies once in the year <laughs> two thousand four. But I'm I'm wondering though, like that was the year me and my wife started dating. So what the hell was I doing? Like, where- <laughs> Where were we going on dates back then? But miniature uh, golf, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but the 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 Spider Man itself was um, like I I I loved the first one. The first one was great, and I remember watching this. And I don't know if it was just uh, the age I was at, and like I said, I was already into my career. That I kind of. I I liked it when I saw it, but I kind of just, you know, all right, you know, just add that to the list of movies I've seen. But watching it in preparation for the podcast, I was like, what, what a great movie. And now that I'm a dad, I'm like, why have I not shown this to my kids? My (laughs) kids would love this. You know, I think the, the thing about the superhero movies um, at this time was it started to get a little, um, too busy. Like, like if you, if you weren't keeping up with them, you would get way behind with mm-hmm. everything that was coming out. Sure, sure. Like when I was a kid, it was Batman, Batman returns. I didn't even see the, uh, the Schumacher Batmans cause that's who, fair. Who yeah, the hell yeah. cares? <laughs> you you <laughs> but, chose wisely. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, I watched the first Spider-Man. I watched this one and then all of a sudden I was bombarded. Um, the, 
the the thing I remember specifically was the first Hulk came out with uh, Eric Banner, right, as the Hulk. Yeah, yeah. Or, or as uh, as Bruce Banner. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and then and then they changed that up, and then Edward Norton was the Hulk. So I was like, okay, who's the Hulk? Is it or, or, or who's Bruce Banner? Is it Eric Banner? Or is it Edward Norton? And then, like I said, I got bombarded with with all these movie superhero movies, and I'm like, I, I can't, I can't even keep up. Like I would watch them here and there, but I I would feel so lost. Yeah, that, you know. And once kids came, my kids came along. It's you know, forget it. Sure, <laughs> sure. sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's my hero. Uh, my hero. My history with these movies is is uh, a little watered down and complicated, but uh, <laughs> I I did. Love these movies back then, and and now, like, thank you for <laughs> helping me revisit them because now I got to show these to my kids and and show them what what a real like superhero movie is supposed to be. Ah, oh, that's great. That's wonderful. That's yeah. great. Doug, thank you for uh, for joining us for these past couple of minutes. Um, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm I'm honored that you guys asked me to come on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, of course. Of course. Uh, one more time, uh, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, we're. Uh, I do a little show called Rocky Minute. Uh, we have yeah. a uh, listeners group on Facebook called Mighty Mix. So uh, come join the conversation. We are now um, doing pre-production. Uh, by the time this airs, we're probably. Uh, I mean, we're we're looking at a October release, uh, late September, early October. So uh, we'll probably be ready to start releasing at that time. Yeah, this will be out in August, so not quite, but yeah, almost. All right. Yeah, pretty all close. Right. Oh, well, well, we'll be uh, elbow deep in uh, in production, so recordings and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Rocky Minute, we're found at DuelingGenre.com with uh, Scott and all the great things that he's producing. So <laughs> check us out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, all right, and you can check us out at our Patreon page, DuelingGenre.com slash support. Uh, guys, did you know that we lowered our, our base tier? on uh on our patreon because hey. it's our base tier is only three dollars a month now so for three dollars a month you get all of our patreon content uh minus the geek by night stuff that's still at five dollars a month but if you just like if you just listen to the dueling genre stuff that we produce as like podcasts like just us talking our chit mm-hmm. chit chat kind of shows um you'll get all of the the bonus podcast episodes uh at our our, ba- our base tier on our patreon at three dollars a month um so that's three dollars i mean that's it's a steal. It's yeah. yeah it, it's crazy. It's 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 three dollars. Um, come on, uh, you'll get you'll get the weekend bugle. You'll get all of the stuff that we do on our Patreon, uh, our movie reviews, all of that stuff. If you want to hear what we think about Venom and Into the Spider Verse, that's going to be on our Patreon page. Um, between you know our hiatuses, hiatus, hiatus. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, between our seasons. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, so go check out duelinggenre.com slash support become a Patreon supporter and we will talk to you guys again on Monday bye everybody bye, bye.